Well, welcome back to the Building Manage podcast. My name is Matt Osborne. I'm your host. This is proudly recorded on Anchor by Spotify. Again, just a big thank you to all the listeners out there. I really do appreciate you tuning in to the Building Manage podcast. Uh, as a building manager myself, I uh, thoroughly enjoy doing the work that is needed to keep everyone safe in the buildings and, and sharing some stories and also giving people the opportunity to talk about uh, how they are contributing to the industry and talk about contributing to the industry. Uh, today on the Building Manager podcast, I'm interviewing Michael Bowley. Michael has a wealth of experience in the building management or caretaking industries. And uh, he's currently the building manager of a beautiful site on the Gold Coast called Mantra on View. I will have to say at this point that uh, yes, I do have an apartment there, uh, but uh, not the reason I guess why we're interviewing Michael today. It really is to get his insights onto uh, the building management industry. Uh, if you'd like to be on the show or if you would like to send any questions or if you've got any ideas, please feel free to contact me through my email, which is matt at elitebma.com or jump onto the website, which is elitebma.com and you can find a few links about my services and so forth there as well. So, sit back, relax and enjoy the show. I'll see you on the other side. Oh, welcome, Michael Bowley, to the Building Manager Podcast. Uh, it's all right. Uh, pleasure to have you on the show, uh, Mick. If you don't mind, maybe just sharing with our listeners a bit about your background and what got you interested in the role of a, build, of a uh, building manager. Yeah, sure. Thanks, man. So basically my background is very much from the eco-tourism side. Um, this just recently I commissioned the, the Cairns Aquarium, a $54 million build up in, in North Queensland there. Yep. And um, before that I was actually headhunted. I was the, the general manager for Cairns Zoom Wildlife Dome and um, also looked after the wildlife habitat, habitat in Port Douglas as well for a while. Mm. Uh, and that's probably where I grew up with one of the management skills. Um, after about 10 years in the Sundays. Um, Helping manage Daydream Island and uh, Qualia on Hamilton Island. Yep. Um, so yeah, so uh, about three, four years ago, my wife and I decided um, the move down to, to Brisbane was on the cards. Uh, she works for Energy Queensland, and uh, she was given an opportunity, kind of too good to pass up. So we thought oh, I'll make the move down back down to home. Grew up in, in Brisbane many years ago, mm. and. Um, and looking at the the roles that were available down in, in southeast Queensland, like the, the caliber and the amount of uh, quality managers, it was actually quite intense and, and amazing. And um, so I looked at what what role sits underneath that general manager in, in a in a hotel in a building, and it was there was kind of two roles. One was uh, the building manager, and the other one was a front office manager side, and obviously. The front office manager side was more of a, of a guest experience and, and then a hotel operation side of it. Yep. Um, and then that building manager role, um, I guess you use the word building manager slash caretaker, depending on what style arrangement the building is. Yep. Um, was that was that stepping stone to a GM role? And um, so with like I've got formal qualifications in, in leisure management through Monash University. Um, 
being a height safety instructor, qualified uh, loan licensed real estate agent, um, a marine engineer and skipper by trade as well. Okay. Um, and I've and I've actually I've just finished been doing the last few years of a subject matter specialist with the University of Queensland for yeah, sustainable right. tourism practices. So okay. it's um, so the I guess that part of it it was the the building manager's role kind of seemed to adapt a bit more of a, a hands-on um, and asset uh, knowledge base, was, yep. which I was kind of more keen to go through. So um, that's when I kind of pursued it. And, and when I first got into the role, it was was the Mantra Group. So obviously we were purchased by uh, and, and managed by uh, the Accor uh, team now. Um, but it was, a, it was a stepping stone that that Mantra gave us to, to really understand in this particular way, the world of, of strata, which yeah. is a, a very unique when you've sort of come from places like Dajam Island, Hamilton Island, when you have uh, the one owner owning the entire asset. So, yep. it's, uh, yeah, it was a good little stepping stone. That's a pretty decent um, amount of work there, Mick. I actually started my career up in the Sundays on Lindemann Island, believe it or not. And, uh, oh, beautiful spot. Oh, yeah. awesome. Moved on to uh, the mainland, worked at Laguna Keys when it was around. Um, oh, yeah, with Dave, David Mariner, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that uh, Aquadel Ray, they went belly up and then SBHC came and took that on board and they took Daydream and they took South Mole. And um, were, you, were you working with uh, SBHC around that sort of time with Daydream? Uh, I, I left uh, just before Vaughan sold to, to them. So, yeah, right. so I, yep. I was up in Cairns when, 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 he, when he took over. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, it's a nice part of the world, isn't it? It is, it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I took my wife back up there a few years ago now and um, yeah, it just really kills me to see the state of Laguna after the millions and millions of dollars they spent on it. But um, oh, just... That, yeah. that too- the Timber Lodge at Laguna Keys, exactly. It was an iconic piece, and now you've yep. got trees growing out of what was built out of trees. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I started concierge up there, and that's really what got my hospitality um, uh, interests. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, very similar to what I, I'm going through right now. But um, look, although your role at Mantra on View is a building manager, you mentioned briefly the word caretaker, and that I know that's highly used up in Queensland, you also got the role of that. So what differences do you see between the caretaker and the building manager role? Yeah, great. Well, so in my eyes, the caretaker's role is part of the role that works with the owners, ensuring obviously their investments are maintained um, and they have a level footing with the body corporate, the strata managers um, any, and any letting manager that has management rights over the building. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, well, well, in Queensland and when you work for larger companies, you're quite often sort of swapping hats uh, on an hour by hour or minute by minute <laughs> basis where where one part is, uh, I guess, at the end of the day, um, I'm quite grateful that a, that a call gives me a paycheck every fortnight and i got to make sure that I, I keep that. But at the same time, we've got, uh, for example, at Mantra, I'm 410 different owners that, yep. that all have... Uh, have a say that they're all formed of obviously part of that body corporate with that with that governing uh, body corporate committee, and um, so my, I think my role really in the caretaking side of it is ensuring that the body corporate's interests are taken care of, mm. um, and it's not and it's not consumed by 
uh, a larger company uh, forethought. So the and quite often the owners um, tend to look up at, and most people do on the street, they look up at the building and they see uh, a name on the top of each building and say, and I think that, that that name is what owns a building or that's what sort of drives a building. But obviously um, behind the scenes, there's a, you know, there's a, a, a strata manager um, that works for it. We've got a body corporate committee that helps uh, drive the building and make decisions, which obviously you're, you're part of. Yep. Um, but it's uh, it, it's making sure that strata scheme um, works efficiently. Now, obviously, in, in, in a lot of smaller buildings, uh, the caretaker is iconically that person who has a, uh, a manager's residence on site, a little two or three bedroom place out the back, mm. and uh, and they cover those those after hours emergencies or, or weekend call outs to to keep that building ticking over and ensuring that, um, that the building is compliant 24-7. I'm kind of quite lucky in this particular building as we have a, a 24-7 uh, coverage through our hotel operations, which yeah. um, takes on that caretaker's role after hours. So mm. fire evacuation alarms, um, obviously any critical emergency. So that, that first part of escalation that, if you're a, a traditional caretaker, you've uh, your your phone is at first point of contact because you're literally the only one left on site at, at say ten o'clock at night. Um, Where here uh, uh, we have, I guess, almost a multitude of, of caretakers, um, but obviously there's a an escalation part where uh, we're lucky that we have someone who can act uh, ensure the, the the fire panels taken care of an emergency, and then it's a straight phone call and going, hey, Mick, you know, what's the next step? And, and, and making sure that we, you know, you go tick, 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 and, and then everything's safe and, and, and obviously by the book. Absolutely. Yeah, look, I've um, seen and been involved, I guess, on the sites up in Brizzy that uh, I managed with Oaks. Uh, you know, we had our own apartment, I guess, in each building, but um, it wasn't compulsory that we lived in it. I think similar to what you are talking about there, you know, having that 24-7 reception. But where there wasn't a 24-7 reception, we had a, a necessity that, you know, we had that caretaker, so to speak, living on site. Um, even, you know, I can remember in Adelaide, uh, site over there where, again, it wasn't necessary to, for us to have um, a 24-7 reception. We just didn't have enough apartments for the letting so it was absolutely compulsory that we had someone living on site. Um, I guess, you know, some benefits for people or managers that, you know, have got an interest in, in this sort of um, line of work can be very beneficial. And I, I guess I also look at the roles of caretakers in um, the likes of caravan parks and, and so forth, you know, or van parks, you know, where I guess they've got to be on site really. Um, yeah, look, yeah. The, yeah, the Gold Coast is, you know, one of the busiest travel destinations, as you're completely aware, Mick. Um, having Mantra on view close to the beach is a bit of a bonus and the location draws some big events as well. So look, as a building manager, how do you prepare to manage people's behaviours and big groups that do come through? Yeah. So great, great question with, uh, we've got the, the Red Frogs um, support crew bumping in for schoolies, which starts in probably about what, 
24 hours time, I guess, on the Gold Coast here, Friday <laughs> afternoon, it all kind of <laughs> kicks off. So, yeah, um, yeah. so look, we're, 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 I mean, I think out of all the buildings, Mantron View is probably the luckiest where we host the support crew being Red Frogs. Yep. Um, so it's a, an Anglican-based um, support network that really are the, um, yeah, they're, they're not the, the police of, 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 the, of the schoolies area, but they're the support network that obviously everyone can call on uh, regardless of, of where they find themselves. But um, mm. one of the, um, the size of the operation dictates the, the size of the readiness um, that you need to do, obviously, for each uh, building manager. So, um, for example, we, in a, in a hotel operation that we've, I guess, we're classed as an international hotel. Uh, so we have really much hotel rooms more than apartments. Um, this means the rooms are, are fitted with cooking facilities. Yep. Um, so for, for some, for, for guests coming through, we need to go, great, how is there a way of, Someone can um, microwave their their meal each night when a, where a microwave is not allowed to be placed in the room. So mm. we have a, a communal facility down on the side of our foyer that, that uh, people can sort of they paid all this money they've got there and then unfortunately didn't read the the website or the listing correctly for, for the accommodation they booked and saw that we make sure that we can sort of facilitate obviously them to have a good nutritious food. But it's also about uh, making sure that um, all our local service providers, so being Deliveroo and Uber Eats, uh, are familiar with the building and how it operates. Um, we don't have a, uh, a standing point, you know, for where Uber Eats goes through in, in, in the foyer there. Um, but we have a general direction of a meeting point on how to reach the guests. Uh, we have our reception team ensuring that uh, we can help facilitate um, obviously, in a, in a COVID safe way, uh, food deliveries, you know, for those. Um, so, I guess as a as a service provider, that's kind of some of the you'd be surprised how many um, by helping facilitate food delivery reduces so many thousand lift movements unnecessarily per week in the building. Oh yeah. Uh, and it's like, how do you put lift movements to food? And that's how I guess it all links together. That's less wear and tear on the building. Yeah. Um, but, but other parts is obviously when you, as a building manager, uh, whether you you got the eyes of, of the, the, the manager agreement or uh, external uh, providers that are offering other short-term accommodation in your building, you need to make sure that all the facilities are up to speed. So obviously every... Every owner is an investor in the building, so um, our part is is doing the, the the final checks and the rechecks and having their support assets on site to make sure that all our common areas are uh, are up to speed and ready for the big influx on it. So we have uh, six spas here on site, so spa parts, chemicals, testing, um, Plan B, Plan C for breakdowns are all obviously put. Uh, as a big example, but other little things that being on the Gold Coast, as you mentioned before, right beside the water, mm. the amount of uh, sand and salt water that gets chomps through the carpets, uh, for example, over over this part of the year between November and January is is actually kind of quite amazing. So um, having this plan in place where we make sure that all the carpets are, are, are steam clean, fresh, ready to go, but before this busy part so that obviously the wow factor for everyone is, is taken into account. But um, once 
once that shoulder season and that and that occupancy drops in the building and you hit that February March where it gets a little bit quieter, mm. the plans are already in place to make sure that the building can then recover and make good so that we're not lingering and, and leaving um, the memories behind in, in a bad way and, and things like that, uh, that mould that unfortunately the Gold Coast is quite um, susceptible to with all the, uh, with the with the high humidities and the moisture in hallways. So Absolutely. we've got, a, we've got a, a bit of a plan in place to ensure that we recover in both ways. Um, yeah, so obviously like patching and painting hallways so that they look great, but also they look great at the start, but how to recover when you have uh, so many extra thousands of, of baggage movements and and, and uh, valet trolley movements going through those hallways so yep. that you don't look at them and go, okay, great, all that damage was from the, the Christmas period of 2021 and you're still looking at it in August 2022. So you need to make sure that um, you've got a plan to, to be preventative and, and plan for it, but then having that extra plan already booked in place uh, with service contractors and staffing mm. that you can recover as fast as you can so that the, the asset is in such a great nick ready to go for the next moment's notice and not just leaving that, that I guess, that unwelcome memory on the building. Yeah, absolutely. You've mentioned quite a lot in, in, in that little brief and uh, you sort of touched briefly on preventative maintenance and, now, I know the age of the building on you know, is sort of circa 30 years, but let's face it, it's not uncommon on the Gold Coast. Um, and so what are some of the essential services really that uh, owners should be prepared to budget for in their maintenance funds, particularly for sites of, yeah. of this age? Yeah, cool. So, this, so the mantra on view was originally the ANA hotel and it was built for the five-star Japanese tourists so there's mm -hmm. a lot of really cool uh, fixtures and fittings I go through and one of the part is having a chilled water system for the aircon rather than having those big unsightly split systems out on every balcony yep. um, now when you do that your your chilled water system uh, has a basically a motor slash fan uh, an actuator and a controller and in some of the rooms that we've recently visited, we've actually found that the original uh, fan component tree and, and motors inside were the, the 1984 model <laughs> uh, that was built in it. They hadn't even been replaced. And look, take your hat off to the manufacturer. They've last 30 plus years yeah. of, um, of high usage, you know, because it was, it was, this it's hotel's hot. had a lot, a lot of guests through it. Mm. Um, but in that, it's so for, for, for a motor, uh, controller and an actuator valve, you're looking at $1,200 to replace. Yeah. And, uh, and so obviously that's in a small room, that seems like a, a little bit of money. But then when you look around the rest of the room to replace the carpet, the cabinetry uh, and some of the bathroom fittings in a like-for-like -like quality that it was already there, uh, we budget $20,000 per, per hotel room yeah. uh, on that. Now, uh, we're quite lucky that we weren't stuck with boring um, 300 by 600 mil gloss white tiles in the bathrooms that look very sterile. We've got <laughs> some really cool travertine uh, tiles in there that are floor to ceiling. Yeah, we've got some nice fit outs to it. So yep. uh, if owners decide that they want to um, not invest a full amount of money, it just means that their room is probably going to lose a little bit of the character of the building. 
mm. and maybe not up to the specs that the, the room beside them has um, and under their part. Now, the building itself uh, takes care of a, a lot of other services that supply the room. For example, the hot water plant, which we're looking at doing a, a $600,000 upgrade at the moment, yep. um, which is an unmetered water, unmetered water service. So unlike some apartment uh, complexes that have a small little electric system mm. uh, tucked into their bathroom somewhere. This is a full uh, manifold with hot water system. And also little things like the the bathroom exhaust uh, ventilation systems in here. It's a it's a full ducted system, which means that it's all controlled by the, the body corporate yep. um, uh, as a maintained service. Um, so that's not burdened on the apartment owners. So, um, so realistically, the, the aircon system being on the coast and, and being in a warm, humid environment is it, probably going to be the, the biggest cost that once you replace it, um, you probably say, okay, let's put 10 years and to replace again, another 10 years and so on to, yeah. to write off the life there. We have cabinetry in the rooms that is 30 plus years old. Mm. Um, and in some rooms, it's held up amazingly well. It's... Uh, Obviously, there, there's a bit of a like a mission brown style color into some of the cabinetry, which is not probably on trend at the moment. But the the quality of fit out that uh, Raptors did when they built the building back 30 years ago was using some really good quality gear. So um, that's I guess for the for the owner to budget in their maintenance funds, you can either go. Uh, let's replace it for standard fittings that probably are used in more of the apartment style accommodations yep. or try and keep in with that that high quality fit out um, that was existing yeah, by the builder. Yeah, yeah, there certainly is quite a lot to get through and um, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. To, it, it's keeping to some really good standards, uh, particularly from my last visit anyway. Um, yeah, look, I, I know in yeah. my last podcast with uh, uh, Ahmed Youssef, he's Managing Director of Sky Management up in New South Wales. We spoke about the need for accreditation for a building manager. So let's face it, it just doesn't exist. What are your thoughts when it comes to the experience and the necessity of proper education for a building manager? Look, I absolutely agree. Look, I hold a, a, a real estate license um, and I've been following discussions uh, in Queensland about the Strata Managers accreditations mm-hmm. and uh, under their, their license to operate. Um, and I, look, I believe that uh, there needs to be a, a framework for training in the industry. Yep. Um, and it, I think it needs to be set kind of based on a, like a QBCC uh, framework that has a blend between uh, that builder's accreditation and, and that Office of Fair Trading a real estate license style um, that based on obviously on the laws and, and the code of practice. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's unfortunately in, in, in some cases um, you have a, a mum and dad operator who um, may just buy management rights after management rights and, yeah. and move around because obviously their apartment's going through one. And they may be used to domestic ways of, of, of fixing something. Mm, um, mm. But when you kind of get into some, some larger assets like Mantra on view that has 410 rooms and then you've got obviously many other Gold Coast up to 1,000 room accommodation parts. Mm. If you don't uh, follow all the codes of practice, all the laws and legislations um, to go through 
the lack of knowledge can impact not one but multiple owners um, from that. So obviously understanding that if a, a water leak, for example, if it's through uh, poor maintenance of sick seals in a bathroom, uh, if it affects another lot owner, um, that's one obviously issue. Um, but then if it's the strata, I say if the if the body corporate fails to fix a uh, a riser pipe and it splits through and causes issues to, for example, ten different lots of owners, it throws a lot of different uh, outcomes, I guess, in in in, in liability. Um, to that, so yeah. I think definitely the, the need to accreditation is kind of based around a skill set or, or a knowledge base, um, and 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 obviously in that sort of I guess in that training, it's all about then how do you seek out all that that knowledge that you don't have and that and that support network that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I guess I'd be happy to tell you that next year I'm about to kick off uh, the. Um, of building management amongst a whole host of other courses in conjunction with the Australian Building Managers Accreditation up there oh, in Brisbane. Fantastic. So, um, yeah, it's uh, I'm really looking forward to it, actually. I'm going to be able to teach in uh, Queensland, Victoria, South Australia, WA and New Zealand. So um, it's just something that's really, really close to my heart because, like you say, you know, there are just so many operators out there. They've got no idea whatsoever. And that's sort of what leads us into the next part of this uh, questioning here, I guess. Like I know from my, I had some great benefits as a building manager myself throughout my career. And that's, I guess, why I'm so passionate about the industry. But what really got my interest levels raised was compliance and standards with service providers so what supports, Mick, are there available for building managers to ensure that you understand these standards and also for them to be adhered to by the contractors? Yeah, cool. Look, it's, um, there, there's so many different industry organisations. The Office of the Body Corporate up here in Queensland um, puts out some great mailing lists and some great webinars that you can join on through um, obviously, the QBCC as well. They put out some really cool materials um, to go through. We, in the larger companies, obviously, we're quite lucky that we have um, senior strata managers that, that, that specialise and give that knowledge across their their teams. Where obviously smaller uh, standalone operations don't have that support as much. Mm. Um, but my my view is literally as you're Googling and, and researching for yourself, when you see a mailing list, jump on it and join it. It's, um, it's yeah, it might be a bit of spam in your inbox now and then, or there might be some really great reads. But yep. uh, my, my view is always don't take it from one source of information. It's cross-reference and check uh, with it. Obviously, the strata... The strata manager who also has a, a big hand in, in managing every building, not just the building manager. So when we thought strata manager, obviously we're talking about a body corporate services provider being Ernst or um, Strata Dynamics is, is another great, great company that, that do strata there. Is the, those guys have a, a skill set um, and, and a knowledge database as well. That it's something where you can go, hey, not sure about this. And mm. if your strata manager himself or him or her is not quite across it he's got a team that that back them up as well he's got maintenance specialists 
um, that will go through. He'll have a corporate compliance specialist uh, that, that he can see constructions for as well. Um, so I, I, I don't think there's, there's, any, um, there, there's any excuse for not knowing uh, the, the legislation uh, as well. It's the, the amount of time that you can find information through um, through your channels as well. And, I, and quite often what I do is try to build a relationship uh, with our service providers, especially yeah. us, for example, our, our five services provider there. And uh, we'll just go down, we'll sit down, have a cup of coffee, and, and for three quarters of the conversation, we'll talk everything except for the building. Um, and, and, and then part of it, we'll have a chat or go, hey, mate, look, I'm not too sure about this or what are the changes that are going on or, or what other buildings are experiencing these same issues. And um, and then obviously you can take that information on board and, and then as you clock up the different buildings under your belt that when you move from here to place to place, you can contact those previous service providers because at the end of the day, every service provider is always looking for a new contract to sign yep. and, and then they take on. So um, they're usually more than willing to give free advice uh, because that free advice may land them up an awesome five, 10 year contract yeah. uh, you know, for, your, for your building. Yep. And, and that way you're building up that list of, as I said before, no single piece of information and you can use uh, everyone's knowledge to your advantage and then you can have your whole collection of, of, of data that you collect yourself and go great I understand it now um, I'm a fire safety advisor um, as my qualification there um, but when I did my fire safety advisor qualification we did it obviously on the current uh, fire safety code mm -hmm. in Australia mm. in in Queensland when a building is certified for occupancy the year that it's certified is the year that the, the building uh, is maintained under. And for example, coming to this one here where it's about 30 years old, there's actually a few old legislations that are still in place that the new legislations don't cover. And that was a, a great learning curve for myself. It's like, oh my God, my textbook says that I need to do it this way. Um, but when the fire safe, when, when your fire service provider says, no, no, this is the way we do it, and then you can understand and, and, and adjust your thinking, um, I reckon it's an awesome tool. Like, I, I really yeah. think it's, you know, the, the power of a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, ab absolutely. Look, I think using, or not using, but, um, you know, speaking to the, speaking to the powers that know, um, but I think you've hit it on the head there, Mick, is, is just so beneficial, uh, particularly, you know, when you're talking about cooling towers and, um, you know, cleaning the filters in those and the time it takes and even pumps in, you know, um, specific floors, knowing where they are and what they do and how long they last. And uh, it just, immeasurable amount of knowledge, I, I think you get, just from listening and watching and walking around with the contractors is is just so highly important. Um, yeah, so thanks, Mick, very much for your time on the Building Manager podcast today. Um, really do appreciate your time. I wish you and your team all your best, particularly Mantra and the ACOR group um, for the upcoming season. I know it's going to be a busy one up there on the Gold Coast since they've thankfully um, relaxed some restrictions from the 17th of December. Definitely. Thanks, Matt. Thanks. Great. Take care, Mick, and we'll speak soon. Thank you. Cheers. Bye now.
Well, what an epic episode of the Building Manage podcast and greatly appreciate uh, Mick's time to talk about his passions, which once again just seem to align with a lot of other building managers that I've been talking to, including myself and um, just some wonderful work that's going on up on the Gold Coast at Mantra on View. So thank you very much for the Mantra people for allowing Mick, uh, the building manager there, to talk about uh, his site and his passions. So once again, big thank you to all the listeners out there and a big shout out to the building managers who are taking care of people in these residential, high-rise residential complexes right across Australia. If you'd like to be on the show, please reach out to me, matt at elitebma.com or if you'd like some information on my business, which is Elite Building Managers Australia, certainly looking for contracts for building management uh, in Melbourne right at this particular time. So again, please reach out to me, any developers, builders, or strata companies that are looking to offload some of their buildings. I'd be more than happy to provide some information to you. So once again, Thanks again for joining me on the Building Manager podcast. My name is Matt Osborne, and I look forward to speaking with you all again, once again, next week. In the meantime, please look after yourselves and take care. Bye for now.